out. Anyway, identify uh, this movie from the quote. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. Now, now some of us older folks remember that when that was a TV show. So uh, you younger folks, it's just a movie. But it used to be a TV show, uh, Mission Impossible. We started talking. Uh, uh, we're in John chapter 17. And uh, we're looking at a prayer. Jesus prayed uh, hours before he went to the cross, talking to his heavenly Father. And uh, last week we saw, as we, as we were into it, that, he, that uh, before the foundations of the earth, the Godhead got together and they put together a mission uh, for us that, that involves our life. And, and uh, so we're, we're going to look more at that this morning. In fact, we're going to get down chapter, chapter 17, verse 5 is where we are if you want to look in your Bibles and your devices. And what we're going to discover today is, now we look at, at Jesus' mission and we know that a major part of the mission was the cross. Uh, the opportunity that he was going to provide for us by making payment on our behalf so we could be forgiven of sin, so we could have eternal life, which we talked about last week, what that means. You know, it's not just living eternally, it's eternal life. There's a, big, there's a difference. And uh, uh, so that's, that's a major part of the mission. But what we're going to discover this morning is uh, that's just one part of the mission. There is an additional part of the mission, and uh, we're going to learn about it. So John chapter 17, verse 5, uh, we read, I brought, Jesus talking to his Father, I brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So whatever the other part of this mission is, Jesus seems to be indicating it's complete, it's successful, mission completed. We've, we've, we are to the finish line of this ministry. Now, you might look at that statement, and if you just are thinking of his mission as the cross, you're saying, wait a minute, he hasn't done that yet. That's still coming. So, so obviously, this is talking about something other than the cross, another part of the mission that was put together by the Godhead before the foundations of the earth even came to be. Uh, and so, and he goes on in verse, uh, actually, that was verse 4. Verse 5, he goes on and says, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Now, remember last week as we talked about this plan, this mission that was developed before the world existed, uh, we found out in, in verse 2 that Jesus was given the responsibility, the authority to carry the plan out. That's him coming to earth. That's him uh, as Paul writes in to the Philippian church, laying aside his attributes for a period of time. Not laying aside the fact that he's God. He was still God. He was God and man. But laying aside his attributes to come down to earth to take on flesh and blood, live among us, die for us, be resurrected from the grave on our behalf to, to make that payment complete. Uh, and uh, so, so that's, that w- that's been a big part of the plan, but, but that's still coming the first part, though, is identified now in verse 6, and that's what we're going to spend our time looking at this morning and digging into. Verse 6, we read, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. So the first part of Jesus mentioned, the part we're real familiar is with is the cross, but the part maybe we don't often think about, uh, uh, maybe you, you somehow have not even realized, the first part of the mention was 
that Jesus came to reveal God the Father to this planet, to earth, to us. Actually, a better word than reveal, more closely uh, aligned with the Greek word, is to manifest. Jesus came to ma- as a manifestation of God the Father in human flesh. You want to know what God looks like? Not physically, that's not what we're talking about. But you want to know what he's like? Look at Jesus. Uh, you, you want to know how God handles those that oppose him? Look at Jesus. You want to know what godly love looks like? Look at Jesus. That's, we've spent a lot of time in uh, the last six years in the Gospels because the Gospels talk about Jesus. They show us Jesus. We see his life, how he reacted, responded, how he loved, how he cared. And as we're doing that, as we're looking at all those things, we're looking at God. We're getting a a picture of the manifestation of what our God is like. You want to know how, how to handle busy, long days with lots of stress? Look at Jesus. And, and you'll get a sense of how God wants you to handle those kinds of things. You want to know how to say no to good things that are not the best thing for you to be doing? Look at Jesus. He had to make those decisions all along. In God's divine wisdom, he, he makes decisions of what is best for us all the time. Uh, I was counseling a pastor a while back uh, who was having some struggles with his marriage. And yes, pastors' marriages do have hard times as well. Not married with an eyes, of course. We've never had any of those, but uh, other pastors, you know. Uh, but I, I got to tell you, I, so we're talking, and I'm, I'm talking to this pastor, and, you know, talking, one pastor trying to give counsel to another pastor is sometimes kind of like one doctor trying to, to help another doctor. They say that the worst patients in the world are doctors, and, uh, and I suspect that's true. Well, what's well, kind of true, too, when you're a pastor trying to counsel another pastor. We're talking about his marriage and some things, and, and as I'm talking to him and trying to get a sense and try to give some direction, uh, uh, he keeps throwing passages at me, you know, he's throwing the scripture up at me. What, what about this, and, and, and what about that? And, and uh, so he's throwing all these uh, passages of scriptures with me, and uh, and, and he's coming down pretty hard on the submit passages, you know, those, uh, those are the ones I'm hearing a lot about, <laughs> because he's convinced if, if she would just do what he tells her, everything would be okay. He's convinced of that. So, so we're talking about this, and finally I stop him, and I said something along these lines. You know, the Bible says that Christ is the head of the church followers of Christ. We're, he says we're his bride. We're his wife. We treat, and, and, and when you can start leading your wife and loving your wife and showing the grace and sacrificial love to your wife that Christ shows to us as his bride, then I think you're going to get on the right track with what those Scripture passages mean as well. I don't know if he appreciated it, but that's what I felt like needed to be said. Part of Jesus' ministry here on earth was so we could see what God is like, a manifestation of God, and what what we need to be like 
consequently. Uh, earlier in the gospel, this gospel on John, Jesus, another time talking to the disciples, made it clear that this was part of his mission. In fact, you'll be, you'll, you'll, as I read this, these verses, you'll know exactly the environment where the conversation takes place. But in, earlier in chapter 13, he says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example of what you should do as I have done for you. Maybe even in clear statement, and there's several passages I could have gone to in Scripture, but Paul was writing to the Ephesus church in the book of Ephesians, and, and he wrote this, and I think it's even clear. He said, be imitators of God. We're supposed to imitate God, and our, our response could be, well, I don't know what that means. What does God look like? Well, go on. As dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What does God look like? Jesus. Imitate God. How do I do that? Imitate Jesus. Because he came as a manifestation of his Father on earth. He took on flesh and blood to show us. Part of the mission was to show us what God looks like. Jesus once said to his disciples, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. You know, there's a lot of guesses out there nowadays of uh, what God is like. Uh, there's this one, as illustrated by Gary Larson. You know, that, that God's just out there waiting for you just to blow it. Just mess up a little bit, and I'm going to drop a piano on your head. That's, that's one perspective out there. Unfortunately, I hear Christians uh, 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 sometimes say things that make me think they have kind of this because every time something bad happens, it goes wrong in life. It's like, God, what are you doing to me? You know, it's always God's fault. Uh, uh, what are you, why, are, why are you letting this happen to me? Uh, uh, there's, there's another perspective. There's that, that God is this uh, kind, old, white-haired grandfather who doesn't really care what we do. In fact, he's most of the time napping, so he doesn't even know the naughty things we're doing. And so they have that perspective. He doesn't really even care. Or, or this is a popular one today. Well, well God is, he's just love. He, he is all about love. God's only response to anyone or anything is love. There can't be a hell because God loves. And, and, and he wouldn't let anybody go there. And if there is a heaven, everybody gets to go because God loves. So you can do whatever you want because God loves. Uh, well, when folks take a vantage point like that, they are demonstrating not only do they not know God, they don't even understand love, do they? I mean, what loving parent lets his child do any or her child do anything they want? You know, even as they're little... Uh, there's lots of things they'd like to eat that you as mom or dad say, no, that's not, we're not doing that. Because you know what happens. First is the tummy ache, and then is the mess you get to clean up. And then uh, if it keeps up, just the, the way it impacts their, the health of their body. Uh, there's a lot of perspectives of God, but the perspective that we need to have, and God made sure, in fact, made a plan to demonstrate for us is what he actually looks like, which is manifested in his son, Jesus. So that's the first stage of this plan. 
But, but even as a part of that first stage, there's maybe a part A and part B. And I think we begin to see part B as we move on. And, and we see, he says, I revealed you to those you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to, to me. I believe what we have indicated here is another huge element, uh, part B of that first plan of, of, uh, of, uh, where, of God manifesting himself to, to the world. But, but also part of that plan of getting ready for even what was going to come with the cross was, uh, was when Christ would go to the cross and when he would complete that part of the mission and by doing so make our redemption possible. And that was going to be finished soon. We're hours away from that taking place. But then how are we going to get the word out? Because we know from prophecy and, and we know from the things that we saw in the, in the last message series that, that Jesus is going to go away. And, and so how do I get the message now, this good news? How do I get it out to the world? So part of the plan that's being identified in, in this verse is that the strategy was that there were, he was going to pick some men. Some, some individuals uh, who had already des- indicated a desire to know God, although the, it was based on ignorance. Uh, it was based on so much of what we even see today of, well, if you want to know God, it's, it, you get to know God by way of religion or by way of a list or by way of a membership into a church because and, and, uh, uh, that's, that's what God's all about when he's really about relationships. So they had that perspective on God because that's the way they had been raised, uh, uh, that's what they, the culture they've been brought up with. And so they were ignorant, but, but there was this desire to know God. And, and so God, so Jesus requested of God to, to, to identify those men to him. And if you look in the Gospels, you can walk through the, as he came to the different men and uh, the fishermen and the tax collector and said, I, I want you to follow me. Uh, and God had given those men to him. And, and Jesus, during his time on this earth, part of this strategy was to train those men so when the time came uh, when he finished his work on the cross, they would be the ones that would be able to go out and spread the news, the good news, the gospel. Originally, there were 12. One didn't make the cut. In fact, look down to verse 12 in this chapter, and you'll see that he mentions that, and we, we, we know who this is. But at this juncture, Jesus does something interesting. He begins to describe in this prayer to his father his perspective of these men who have walked this three and a half journey with him. These men who are his followers, who he has been training and getting ready. And as we read down through this, I want you to imagine if you're one of those men sitting in that room, that upper room, and you're hearing his description of you, how it would impact you. Follow along, last part of verse 6 and verse 8, through verse 8. Talking to his father, he says, They have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. Now, if you're his disciple sitting to that, sit, listening to that, and Jesus' description of them, I, 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 
you could be boistered by that. You know, wow, he, he really thinks highly of you. From what I know of the disciples, I kind of wonder if they're looking around and thinking, who's he talking about? Because we've been looking at these guys. We've been look, we looked at them in the last series. We've looked at them off and on over the, as we saw, saw the Gospels. It's kind of like, I don't know, I know who these guys are, but I'm not sure, Jesus, who you're talking about. Are we really talking about the same guys here? Because that's not what I've seen in these 12 men that were following you. You know, let me just walk through some. So they saw Jesus uh, one day feed 5,000 men. That's just counting the men. So there are also children and women present, so probably 15 or 20,000 people. They saw Jesus feed uh, 15, 20,000 people from just a few loaves of bread and, and a few fish. A few days later, they saw him do, the, do it again. 4,000 men were told, and, and that did, again, women and children were there too. And then just hours after that, they're in a boat, and they're trying to decide. Jesus is kind of quiet, and so they've decided. They, one of them says, you know, I think he's angry at us because we forgot to bring lunch. Really? You think he's worried about lunch? You, after what you've seen him do? You're, are you kidding me? Jesus, one time he's talking to them about what, what good leadership looks like. That it looks like humility. It, it looks like serving. In fact, he uses himself as an example. I came to serve, not to be served. They follow that conversation up with an argument among themselves about who's going to be first, second and third in authority in the, in the kingdom when he sets it up. These are the guys that he's describing here. Uh, some of his followers missed, almost missed the total opportunity to even be part of that number because they were so racist, so prejudiced about where Jesus had grown up, Nazareth, that the, the statement was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And they heard Jesus from Nazareth, and they said, nah, I, I don't know about this. Yeah, one time, some children wanted to see Jesus, and they were mean to the children. They wouldn't let them see him until Jesus said, what are you doing? Knock it off. Let the children come to me. Uh, a few hours after their prayer, they're going to all, all of them, desert him. In fact, one of them is going to betray him. And another one is going to say, I never knew the blankety-blank guy. Really? And this is how Jesus describes them? What's going on here? I think we get a glimpse of the heart of God regarding us imperfect, foolish, sinful, but sometimes just plain stupid people. We've followed these men in the Bible. We've seen how hard-headed 
and poorer character they have often been. We've heard their ignorant, <coughs> excuse me, ignorant responses to Jesus and his direction. And yet here in Jesus' description of them, we see him describing them from the potential of what he knows they can be and they will be. Jesus has taken note of them as he spent the time. And his description to his father is wrapped up in their potential. What he knows will become, they will become. Not their failures. And why is this important? Because, my friends, that's his vantage point of you as well. Your vantage point at this moment might be failure. One bad decision after another. One step towards God, five steps backwards. A common statement you might say to yourself is, will I ever learn? Will I ever get it right? Why do I keep doing this over and over? Why do I keep making the same destructive decisions? I'm not good and I never will be. I'm a failure. But God's vantage point of you is this. My dear child, you could only see yourself through my eyes. If you could only see the potential I see. If you could only grab on to how much I love you and how wonderful my plan for you is. Give me a chance. Let me show you how beautiful you really are. Father, thank you your word. Perhaps someone came into this room this morning feeling like such a failure, convinced that there is nothing in them good, so aware of the bad decisions and the ramifications and or maybe it's just been a rough week. They're not, it's not their life is wrapped up that with that, but they just have had a bad week, made some choices that now they realize were wrong choices. And it's, it's so easy for us to get a perspective of ourself that removes hope, removes possibilities. 
causes us to settle into a, I'll never do, be able to do that mentality. Thank you for this glimpse of ourselves through your lie, eyes. The potential that you see, the desires that you have, the, the fact that you want to bless us. That is your desire of your heart. You're just waiting for us to say, Father, please help me. And you've promised to do exactly that. Thanks for loving us so much, Father. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Church, I invite you to stand if you'd like. We're going to sing one last chorus together. As we do, our prayer team is going to come to the front. If that's you, if you maybe you feel like a failure this morning, maybe you're riddled with fear, maybe you need encouragement, our prayer team is going to be up here. We'd love the chance to pray with you, pray over you this morning. But let's sing this song together and our prayer team is going to come up. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Thanks so much for worshiping with us. Hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time.